Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Mad Sports Take, episode 81. I'm already cracking myself up. You're a weekly unmuzzled sports talk focusing on the business of sports. I am Ryan Roberts at Rise and Draft on Twitter, the creator of RiseandDraft.com, as well as the recruiting analyst at IrishBreakdown.com on Sports Illustrated. Joined by my good friend, Mr. David Turner, 18-year scouting vet, amongst the NFL, CFL, and three-strand Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers. We will be taking you into a broad overview of the 2022 NFL Draft. We are less than a month away from the event officially beginning this year in Las Vegas. As everybody knows, David's roots and my roots are both in the NFL Draft realm, so we are very passionate about this side, and we haven't done too much prospect talk. So I got David to uh, to take a little dive into the, to the NFL Draft landscape tonight. We also have Mr. Jonathan Alexander, a defensive back linebacker out of the University of Charlotte. Very interesting football player. We'll have him on here in a few minutes. Before we get into this, I want to ask you if you could like, share, and subscribe if you are listening to your favorite uh, podcast platform, or if you are listening on the YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, make sure to share this podcast. We are continuing to grow on the Believe Podcast Network, and we truly do appreciate all of the support that we've gotten so far. And I have one message from our sponsors. Would you be a, pay, a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching for them from an expert? Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with the high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for the recruiting process. With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruitment plan helps our clients secure their opportunity to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, your film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can help support your efforts to get to those goals in 2022. Contact us at All right, David, long intro. To lead me off with the thing that I ask you each and every week here on the 81st episode. We're quickly, quickly coming up on 100, by the way. How yeah. are you, my friends? I'm doing well. You know what? I got a new hat. I'm ready to rock and roll. Went out to the beer and barbecue fest here in uh, Chandler, Arizona this last weekend. So I got my fill of both, and it was a great time. Wonderful event that they had out there. A couple weeks ago, I took Casey to a thing called the Ostrich Festival. Where they had live, they had ostriches, and you got to like, you know, got little known fact. So the town of Chandler, Arizona, used to allow ostriches to kind of like roam freely, and they had ostrich farms there. Uh And so they have an ostrich festival every year now, which is a ginormous state fair style type thing. It was really fun, great venue, great uh, entertainment, a lot of great concerts and stuff out there. And then like literally a week later after they shut down Ostrich Festival, they throw this beer and barbecue festival where they have all the beer, the breweries from Arizona and concerts going on and a bunch of uh, great barbecue joints out there all set up. So it's just been fair season out here and event season in Arizona. The weather is great and it's just my favorite time of the year out here. Plus spring training started. So I got my Oakland A's, my athletic shirt on, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, usually I would just kind of skate into our first topic, David, but I need to ask about this ostrich festival. I need to do this. Yeah. So how do they celebrate the ostriches? Are they just for like, is it like a kid festival type of thing or like they like what, what, what do you do at an ostrich festival? I guess it's my question. <laughs> well, they have pig races. They have BMM by BMX biking. They had um, like, was that modern warrior or the one where they jump through all the events and all the different obstacles? Oh, uh, um, Ninja warrior, Ninja warrior stuff yeah. set up. They had uh, bouncy houses for the kids. They had carny rides for big kids. They had little ones. They had uh, haunted houses. They had carny games, right? They had all, all that kind of stuff going. So, I mean, it was just one thing after another. It was just a lot of fun. Then, like I said, they had a huge concert venue set up. I think Nelly came and performed one night. Band Perry was another Nelly? night. Nelly? Nelly was, was in town. Nelly was in town. So, yeah, it was just a lot. Of, like I said, I can't say enough. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and with COVID being hit so hard, our kids haven't been able to do stuff for a couple years, as you know. So yeah. to get out and do do it this year with the kids and open air, you know, event was well, the last couple weekends. Like I said, it's been a lot of fun in Arizona to to get it going. So is um, did you take Casey then? I'm assuming. 
Yep. So Casey went with a family, nice. a couple of, of, of her friends and met some of my other friends out there, ran into people out there that you, you know, you, you just don't even know are going to show up, but it was, it was like, I said, it's been a great time. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then you got a beer, a beer festival too. You said, right. Beer festival. Well, the beer and barbecue festival. is yeah. it was like, um, it, so they, what they did is they shut down the same area, set up different games, different stuff for kids, but then huge beer gardens, huge concert venue. Um, gosh, I'm alluding. Oh man. Some big country name was the header, um, big headliner for the, the beer and barbecue fest, but they, it was just great. They had country line dancing, uh, pie eating contests, hot dog eating contests. I mean, you know, it was just, and they had, uh, people out there, the country Western dancers that could teach you how to dance. Um, they had a bunch of just great venues, uh, pl- places to buy stuff from and stuff. Like I got this hat from one of the venues. Um, so yeah, again, it's just, again, it's that time of year in Arizona where the weather's excellent, spring training's going on and we get a lot of festivals and music festivals going on until about the end of May. And then it's too hot to really do much here. So mm-hmm. it's the best time to be down here in Arizona between March and end of May because you get, you get so much going on. Hey, I, I know you're a transplant because you're you're a California guy by uh, by roots. But shouldn't you be a uh, Arizona Diamondbacks fan at this point, man? Oh goodness, no! Oh goodness, no! <laughs> no, no. think no. about it. A second team, nothing. No, I, I'm not a big baseball guy. You know that as is. But back home, it's it, it was the A's and it was the Giants. But I went to A's. My my grandfather was a huge Giants guy because he grew up in San Francisco. Like my grandfather grew up in San Francisco before the Bay Bridge and Golden Gate Bridge were even built. Right? Like he watched those two bridges go up. So, I mean, he was a huge Giants guy. But working for the Raiders, we'd always get uh, a bunch of A's tickets. And even before that, like in high school, the BART train in the Bay Area would drive you right up. Like you could literally get dropped off at the Oakland uh, Alameda County uh, Stadium right there. So my friends and I would just take BART over to games so many times to watch A's plays, go buy $10 bleacher seats and just watch, you know, it was back when McGuire and Caseco and Ricky Henderson were there and we could go. Those, the- those, those guys didn't do any steroids, did they? <laughs> I, I cannot confirm or deny any of that at all. I don't know a hundred percent. So, but again, it was fun being out in the outfield and, you know, and, and back in those days you could bring a two liter of Kool-Aid or, coke and put some jack in it or something and uh, um yeah. and they and then you just walk into the stadium and sit in the bleachers and enjoy the sun and the and catch a couple dollar dogs and you're good to go you know uh man what, what was in the uh kool-aid you got some everclear in there man I, I don't cool. remember i never i never mixed so it. yes the answer was yes <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was fun kind of reliving some of David's past and hearing about his weekend, which was sounded like a lot of fun. What we're going to do is we're going to do a 2022 NFL draft kind of overarching landscape a little bit. We're going to be covering uh, most of the positions and just trying to give you a couple names at each position. Obviously, over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving a lot more deep into who the prospects are, who should we be taking a deep look at, uh, going a, you know just a little more deep into the background of these players that you will see very shortly on Sunday. So, David, I think the only spot to start with, man, is the only position that people care about, right? What, what position is that, David? What position do people care about? Offensive line. Well, I mean, what position? All right, normal people, regular people, people that don't love watching offensive linemen like you and my, me, my friends. Well, the, the position that everybody's going to want to talk about, which might be the weakest position this year in the draft, is a quarterback position. <laughs> you know, it's not a position where last year we saw, you know, about three or four quarterbacks get talked a lot about Mel Kuyper and all them leading up. This year, I think we're going to wind up with some struggling here with uh, getting quarterbacks at the top of the at the top of the roster. I mean, there's just yeah. nobody that really seemed to jump out and, you know, make a run. Uh, to take that top spot or even a top 10 spot. So, you know, let's talk about a overall position and talk about how the depth is light and then where we might see the first quarterback actually being taken because though there are needs at the top of the draft order for quarterback, I just don't know if the value in any of these quarterbacks warrant that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation, man, because like you said, this class at the top is not great. Unfortunately, though, we see teams that just kind of they panic a little bit, you know, they reach at the top of class. I mean, so if we're talking about this class, David, this is just my opinion, right? 
If you think any di- different level of it, please fight back on me. You know, that's what this conversation is for. I think that this class actually has some depth in the sense of that there's developmental quarterbacks that like second, third, so on from there. I would be interested in getting on my roster and just seeing how they progress. The unfortunate part of this class, in my opinion, is that there's just not those couple guys at the top that usually, like, those are the guys, and then we hit the depth that kind of follows, right? It's absent of depth of the top guys in this class, which makes the depth look a lot worse because now you're going to put these guys into the first-round conversation that you should not be in the first-round conversation. Some of those guys that are at the top of the class, Malik Willis out of Liberty, who was down at the Senior Bowl, has had a really good process so far. Um, probably the only quarterback that I would say is really – taking advantage of opportunities so much so far through the draft process. We got Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, who we had, I don't know if you saw that day, but we had Tony Rassiopi, who was Kenny Pickett's personal trainer on the one time. He's going to be on NFL Network tomorrow, man. We, we, we did that. that. We, we did, did that. that. We, did, we that. did that. The exposure <laughs> at MAP Sports <laughs> did, that. did that. Just so Absolutely. the listeners and everybody know, we had him on about two and a half, three months ago talking about quarterback and quarterback play because he had like three of the top quarterbacks that are going into the draft process. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I swear we had him on in like September. Okay. Maybe, yeah. It was like or late it September. Might have been October. Might have been October. I yeah. was going to say late September, or early October. Yeah. We had him in and we we're talking about it. now the NFL network comes and tries <laughs> to steal our thunder. Oh man. You need to call, uh, you need to call your I'm boy. Call uh, P- I'm going to call yeah, call me P up. I'm like, hey, listen, buddy. No scouting our freaking guests here. Yeah. We we need a we need a finder's fee, okay? You <laughs> that's really funny, that. And I, I think that, you know, obviously Tony's done a really good job. Excellent with- job. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he, he did um obviously he did an excellent job with with Kenny Pickett, who's been a guy that's a lot of people have talked about, David, because he's the one with the eight and a half inch hands or whatever, very small handed guy. Um, but he is assumed to be one of the top quarterbacks drafted this year. We also God have Sam. Every team takes him. Right. We got, we got Sam Howell out of North Carolina, who is a similar size profile to a Malik Willis, although a much different quarterback. He's more yep. of your traditional pocket guy that can run the ball a little bit, but he's going to work ton off play action, do some RPO stuff, really quick, kind of twitchy of a thrower. Um, I kind of like him a little bit, to be honest. I think that he, in the second round, you I didn't like him much during the season when I liked him. Oh, let me tell you, we can rewind uh, some of those tapes. Yeah, man, get the Kyle Trask ta- uh, takes back out, David. All right, just saying, we can rewind those takes when I was talking about Sam Howell and rewind this him. guy over here. Rewind, was like him. who? Who? Rewind him. Oh, I know, dude. I know who Sam Howell is. Stop it. <laughs> uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss is another guy, another quick yeah. twitch RPO passer, and then Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati is kind of the. Tall, long, athletic kid. He ran four five one at the combine. Gives me a little pause on Desmond Ritter. He kind of reminds me a little too much of Marcus Mariota. Do with that what you will, sir. Do with that what you will. Um, so, David, any of those guys, you don't have to touch on all of them, any of those guys that kind of pops out to you as a player that you do like or a player that you think has potential moving forward? I think they all – like. I, I think you nailed it at the beginning of the show. I think they all have potential – but the ceilings are just far off because they're all developmental for different reasons, okay? And if they're not in the right system fits, I, I, I think each one of these kids are going to struggle. It's not like you have a overall Joe Burrow-type guy sitting here where it's a no-brainer first-round pick. Like, this is these are guys that you have to sit behind other people, and you got to be confident that they're going to develop. I personally don't know if I have a first-round grade on any of these quarterbacks. I think my highest grade would be a second-round grade um on a couple of them on a couple of them to be fair there's a couple of them that i have second and and top of third round so they're like you said right in that area where you'd be like i would love this kid to back up my quarterback and i won't be scared if he gets in the game you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if it's week eight nine or ten where he's got some reps under his belt from preseason and on so you know i think there's some interesting prospects here again i i like howell and i like carol uh is it corral 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 Uh, yep and then, you know, Ritter to me, I think if Ritter winds up behind Watson in Cleveland, they'll do a good job there because that that to me would be a good fit for him. That style of offense that they're going to make for Deshaun mm-hmm. would be a good fit. 
obviously there's other offenses that are similar that you'd be a good fit. I'm just putting that out. Cause I don't want to go into too much depth here with everything else. Um, but you know, for me, uh, how, how would be great in the old system that the, well, you know where he would be good. Honestly, would probably be down at the chargers. I mean, while he's not as big of a, as a big arm quarterback, right. Mm-hmm. But they work off the play action a lot there and yeah. up in, Green Bay and Minnesota, they use that play action. Those styles of offenses, even at the Niners, you know, even that quarterback room is getting crowded there. But those, those style of that offense would be great for him. Um, so that would, to me, I think it's going to be a hundred percent. If the success of these this year's quarterbacks fit, it's going to be because that scheme fit was there when the team drafted them. That yeah. that's why. Yeah, no, I mean, in situation always does dictate success, especially at the quarterback position. But I think especially for this year, it's guys are going to have to be in some good situations to be really successful. Uh, quick note on Matt Corral, David. Here, you want to hear a weird one? So mm-hmm. he was kicked out of a high school in California. I think he ended at Oaks Christian for yes, punching I- for. For punching Wayne Gretzky's son in the face. Yes, I know this story. Yes, do you know this story? You know this. Story? I know this. Well, yeah, I, I'm a Dylan Sal guy, and that was like a big. Uh, it was a big rival, you know, Southern California yeah. rival. So yeah, he punched Wayne Gretzky's son in the face, and and then he got kicked out of the school and went somewhere else. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then he also I believe he was committed to USC, and then he was committed to Florida, and then he ended up at Ole Miss. So very, very strange little backstory of Matt Corral coming out of high school. But uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of the quarterback class again. We're going to go a lot deeper. Um, I've watched a lot of bad quarterbacks this cycle, so I can give you some tidbits on uh, a lot of these bad quarterbacks. But uh, running back, let's go on to running back, David, who I think is, in my opinion, again, I think there's a lot of depth to this class. Again, I don't think there's a guy, there's especially not a guy that you're going to draft top 15, top 20 type of back in this class. But I'm a big fan of Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I think that he has a chance to go in the back end of the first round. Um, maybe if it's a Buffalo Bills there sitting at 25, who just kind of maybe need that last piece of offense to really kind of spark that running attack. But he's a good football player. Of course, we saw Kenneth Walker Jr. out of can uh, out of excuse me Michigan State had this year transferring over from Wake Forest, 5'9", 212 pound, kind of a densely built guy, really good vision, contact balance, and he also ran 4'38 at the combine, so he's got a little bit of juice to him as well. Brees Hall at 217 pounds also ran 4'39 at the combine, has a 40-inch vert, so we're dealing with a couple really athletic kids, then we got a bunch of, it's your pick your flavors from the, from my, in my opinion, from there. Those are the two guys that I think project favorably as three down type backs at the next level. And then you got guys like Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, who's more of a, a battering ram type of running back. Same deal with Florida running back Damian Pierce, who's a densely built kid. Not the most fleet of foot, but very athletic. And then you got the guys for me that are the satellite backs. You know, they're complimentary third down style backs like Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Who I think is a really talented football player, although he did not test exceptionally well, but he may be the best pass blocking running back in the draft and has really good hands. And then James Cook, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook out of Georgia. He is an explosive, explosive kid, a little bit undersized at over only 199 pounds. So he doesn't really project to a high volume guy in this class, but Really good hands, really athletic, ran 4-4-2 at the combine. He's explosive. He's got a little bit of that same makeup of a Dalvin Cook, just not in the same package. So, uh, David, there's a little bit into the running back class, man. I got to say again, though, I think Brees Hall has a chance to go in the first round, man. I think he's got a shot. Well, and th- and there's a couple you didn't mention. Again, because I like you, I think there's some really good depth in this class, like mm-hmm. Jer- Jerome Ford out of, out of Cincinnati. Former Alabama transfer, Jerome. Right, yep. he, and he's five yep. eleven. He's about two hundred and ten pounds. He ran a four four six, I believe. Um, and he's a to me, uh, he's a dynamic catcher out of the backfield. He does a great job running between the tackles for a guy who might not be the biggest a frame, but at two ten, he's still a good sized kid. And yep. you know, he ran that four four. And then you got uh, Rashad White here are oh you our love Rashad white man you i like him. him you know yeah. again he's but and he's a bigger back he's six two he's two uh two twelve or something and he ran a four four eight so i mean he's a taller back he's a guy who i think can play really well in a lot of west coast systems i mean he kind of reminds me of ricky running waters the way he runs Ooh. so 
you know, he's a guy that I like a lot. I mean, again, Damian Pierce, obviously. Kenneth Walker is my heartthrob. I like him. I think that guy is going to be. Whoa. I do. I think Kenneth Walker has has the it factor, you know, but also Brian Robinson out of uh, um, Alabama. Now, you know, he ran, uh, he's 6'1. He ran two, tw- he's 226, but he ran a 451. It's fast enough. He's not going to be a game breaker, but again, he can be your thunder to your lightning. If you got a really big uh, light back like a Carolina Panthers, they need a guy like this to add and compliment to take some of those hits off of, you know, their guy they got there in uh, McCaffrey or, you know, someone similar like that. Like maybe the Jets take a Brian Robinson and pair him with the North Carolina kid they got, you know. So mm-hmm. there's some people in here that I think, you know, are going to really raise eyebrows when it comes to the draft draft time. But I think rookie year, while Bryce Hall might be the one first-round pick, mm-hmm. I like Kenneth. I really like the way Kenneth Walker plays the game. I like Rashad White, the way he plays the game. Brian Robinson, James Cook, and, and Jerome Ford. Like Again, there is a lot of meat and potatoes, I think, that are going to be drafted between rounds two and four here with mm-hmm. these running backs. And they're going to make impacts that people are going to be like, you know, oh my God, why why wasn't he picked higher? Kind of impacts, but I think that will also contribute because of the depth of pest rusher offensive line receiver this year. Those ones I think are going to get pushed into the first round. Where these running backs, they're going to come into the second, third, fourth round, and they're going to make some they're going to make some big big time plays this year. And I had the fortune of going, well, the unfortunate of watching Notre Dame lose the University of Cincinnati mm-hmm. last year, but that I did get the fortune of seeing. Jerome Ford in person, and he is a densely built, low center of gravity kid who's got some speed to him. I mean, he was a he was a 10, 500 meter guy coming out of high school, David. So the kid can scoot a little bit. And like you said, four, four, six in the four. He's a good time for 210 pounds. Uh, one guy I thought I want to just throw another name out there because we're going to go to wide receiver next, who David just kind of talked a little bit about. You know, that it's a very deep group that uh, we could talk about a lot of dudes in there. Devontae Price is a kid, though, from Florida International. I just wanted to shout out real quick. 6'1, 210 pounds. Was actually verified at 225 last spring for, uh, during the junior day um, when someone went through the school. Uh, from the NFL. So his weight has fluctuated a little bit, but he goes to the combine at 210 pounds, runs 4.38. And he has a he is really good production at Spurts, David. Just played on a very bad Florida international team, but not a ton of tread on those tires. I think he could be a steal kind of later in the draft. Want to move on to wide receivers. I, I mean, David, I, I think, I mean, th- there's a lot of great receivers, and I'm going to shout out a couple. I know that you were a big fan, though, of the Ohio State kids, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I know they, uh, in your uh, daily uh, daily fantasy, right? They uh, they did you well at times. Oh, they did me. They Especially Garrett Wilson early when he was cheap. People didn't know about him. Everybody put the over m- money on the Olave, yeah. and I was taking Garrett Wilson, and whoop, whoop, we got some paydays. <laughs> Sure did, man. Yep. I mean, it, I, fantastic player, man. Garrett Wilson is the top wide receiver that I have graded in the cycle. Right around six foot, 5'11 and 6'8, I think, 185 pounds, 4'38 at the combine. Super smooth route runner. He reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown from a style perspective. Hopefully, he's not a nutcase like that guy, but like ooh, as a ooh, from a ooh, playing shot perspective. Fired, shot fired. Yeah, from a playing perspective, man. Really flexible, fluid route runner. Gives you some yak ability. Plays a lot bigger than his list, David. I think he's almost got uh, right around 10-inch hands. So even though he's 5'11 and 6'8", he can win above the rim a little bit and has some contested catch ability. So really like Garrett Wilson ton. David likes, admittedly, Chris Olave a little more than I do, but he's still a really good player. Ran 4'39 at the combine. Good route runner. I just don't think he has the greatest play strength of all time, but still a good football player. The breakout star in college football this year, David, one of them, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, man. Woo! I know he's he's dealing with the Achilles, obviously, or ACL. I think it was the ACL. 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 Yeah. So, so torn ACL in the national championship game, man. But that kid is that kid was a legit going to run like four three two, four three three. Like he is an absolute burner, and he makes people look absolutely silly in one on one coverage. Like he he can run past anybody on the college level. So he's dynamic. Weight isn't awesome, but he's got a little bit of length to him too. He's got over 32 inch arms. He's a six foot one plus. So he's got a longer frame. I think he almost has a I think like a 76 inch wingspan, 77, somewhere in that ballpark. So pretty, pretty long kid, uh, despite being a little bit of a lankier dude. Traylon Burks from Arkansas had obviously had a dynamic couple years there for the Razorbacks, 6'2, 225. He has kind of that big slot look to him, but he's really explosive as well. 
physical. He reminds me a little bit of Demarius Thomas, uh, the late Demarius Thomas. That was a really, really good football player for the Denver Broncos. Those are a few of the guys, David. Also, Drake London out of USC is my guy. I'm telling you right now, David. No, I know you like Drake. I know you like Drake. He's my second-ranked wide receiver in the class. I know I'm higher on him than most people. He reminds me a lot of Brandon Marshall, like a lot. And he's six foot four plus, two hundred and twenty pounds. Incredibly fit, uh, incredibly physical, more flexible than you would think for a bigger guy. And he's got kind of that catch point dynamo, but also was a really good. He was a basketball player at USC too, so he's got some leaping ability. Um, anybody else there, David, that jumps out to you outside of the two Ohio State kids? Maybe somebody I mentioned, or somebody else that you want to throw out there? Yeah, one second, TikTok guy. I we didn't forget Zier White. We just don't have him in our top. We're just going over overviews tonight, so we will be talking about Zier White. Trust me, I love that kid. We're just going to do – we'll get into position by position a little he bit ran. more. This is our first overall show, just hitting all the positions, and we got a time frame. But great call out because I do like that running back out of Georgia too. So Yeah, man. Zamir, uh, Zamir, Zamir White also, I think he was at 215 pounds, ran 4-4 flat. So he's he was a really yeah, five-star recruit coming out. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, we will be there on him. He just wasn't in our top for our overview tonight. But great call out there because that was great. You know, I love Dotson out of – you know, back to the wide receivers. I love Dotson mm-hmm. out of Penn State. I've been talking about him. True. You you talk about my, you know, my, my DFS teams all year. You know, I had Olave or I had Wilson and I had Dots, and I always tried to afford at least some kind of combination of those guys because they were always going to go off. Michi, too. John Michi out of Alabama, one of my personal favorites. I love the kid. I think him and Dotson are very similar in play style. I think Michi actually has a little bit more big-time, big playability. Michi almost reminds me of the Heinz Ward-style receiver, man. Like, Michi was just – he was tough, gritty. I thought he he won a lot of balls and did a lot of great things when he got the ball in his hands early. You know, this is a guy that if you were to put it with your Rams, Amici, oh my lord, Jesus. We don't we don't need any more wide receivers, man. We're good. I'm just saying if they were to draft Michi cuz he's pro- with the injury and stuff, he's probably not going to be, you know, high high pick, but if they yeah. if you put him there, that could be a nitrous to that offense. You know, I also love Pickens, the Georgia wide receiver, the 6-3 kid. I think he ran a 4-4-7 or something. Yeah. Um at around 200 pounds, you know, he was battling injuries during his senior year, but I think he came in and made some really good plays. Uh did some really good things there. Um where's another one of the taller kids, which I know mm-hmm. smaller school. I think it was uh was he South Dakota State, the Watson, uh, Christian North, Watson. North North Dakota State, yep. North mm-hmm. Dakota State, 65, but he ran like a 436 or something yeah. at 65. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you got that kind of speed and playmaking ability, that's just incredible. And one of our slot guys, you know, we always like the slot guys. Look at the Memphis guy, Calvin Austin, you know, 5'9", oh, or something, but he's only 173 pounds. I don't yeah. like the little, little skinny guys. Everybody knows that. I, I rip on them all the time. <laughs> but this guy, Calvin Austin, when he was at Memphis, I mean, I watched some of the games. Oh, my Lord, explosive. Oh, my Lord, explosive. Like, he has a different gear, guys. Like, this is not a 4-2. I'm going to say not a 4-4-2. This is a 4-3-2. Like, he's got that extra gear to lose people. Um, but Michi, to me, is one of my heartthrobs in this year's draft. And Dotson, you know, I do love the Ohio State guys. We'll talk a lot about them leading up. Will Williams from Alabama. But Michi, I'm always going to give him playtime on Dotson, too, because – I think those two players, when they get in the right offenses, are going to be big time players now. Yeah, Christian Watson's dad's not a fan of me, by the way, David. I don't know if you want to hear that story off air, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, usually I'm the one with the hate mail, not you. <laughs> uh, we had a little back and forth on Twitter, man. He's not he's not my biggest fan anymore. That's fine though. Um, I like his son, but I just wasn't ready to say that he was going to be a first round pick, and he got very upset with me. Um, so moving on, moving on to the tight end group, David. Tight end group. A lot of depth if we're talking about guys just can be departmentalized players. I, I don't see a ton of stars though in this class. I think top the top of the class isn't overly impressive, but I really do like Trey McBride out of Colorado State. He reminds me a little bit of Brent Selleck that used to play with the Eagles. Really physical, kind of throwback type of player, but I think that he's going to have some sneaky production on you. And you're just, I mean, there was a couple years where Brent Selleck had like 70 plus catches, 900 plus yards. And it was just kind of like, wow, I didn't realize he had that many catches or yards. So that's kind of the player that he reminds me of. Kate Otten out of Washington's a really physical big blocker. 
Um, a little, little better after the catch than you would think as well. Nearly an 80-inch wingspan, so I think there's something to him. Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, who had a 99-yard touchdown this past season. Not the best showing as far as at his pro day, but 6'4", 245. He kind of hit fits that big slots, um, detached tight end type of vibe, and he also has 10-inch hands, so very short-handed receiver. James Mitchell's coming off an injury for Virginia Tech that, that cost him most of the season, but I really do like him as a, another kind of H-back movements guy, but I think that he gives you a little something after the catch, and I think he's a better blocker than maybe gives you get, get you credit for as well. Greg Dulcich from UCLA is another guy um, out in David's territory, yep. former, former wide receiver who also has an 80-plus inch wingspan. Um, has a little bit of a yak presence as well. So there's a lot of names here. The one guy, David, that I want to talk about for a second, I don't need you to comment on him. I just wanted to throw his name out there. Jalen Weidermeyer was a guy that a lot of people talk about at Texas A&M. David, I don't know if you saw his pro day, man, but he was a little, a shade under six foot five, 253 pounds, and ran a 503.40, dude. I'm just like, what the hell, brother? You should not have left early if you were running five flat in the 40. That is not smart. So he went from a guy that people were talking about maybe being on day two where some people were saying he might go undrafted now. So interesting tight end group, David. Um, Trey McBride, though, I mean, if you're a daily fantasy guy, I don't even know if you can play Colorado State, but my man had 90-plus ca- plus catches this year, 1,100 yards, was a dynamic player, and also did well at the Senior Bowl also. Yeah, I think you dropped on you. You fumbled on a couple here, like Jeremy Rucker what? at Ohio State. Rucker you know, stinks. Rucker dude, stinks. Rucker's going to be a solid player in the league. He's going to be there for a while. He's six five, ran a four six eight. And how do you oh. miss on my brother Cole Turner, man? Like Cole Turner. Hey, man, I got Cole Turner on this. How do you how do you fumble the ball at the goal line with Cole Turner, my brother from another mother? You know, the man has a you know he's six foot six. He's just a hair under two two fifty. He ran a four seven five forty. You know, mm-hmm. this is a kid that again went to Nevada, played with Carson Strong, had good numbers. I think if he's with the right team, obviously, and I think there's a lot of teams that actually fit Cole's skill level. Mm-hmm. So I think him and Rutgers are. And then I, you 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 talked about my UCLA guy. I was I thought you weren't going to hit on him. I was like, ooh, I'm going to hit him with this one. I yeah. thought he was gonna. I thought you weren't gonna. You were gonna miss on him, but you didn't. You got him. Um, but I think this tight end group again, rounds three through seven. Those four rounds, you're gonna see tight ends go. I, I don't see a lot of first round or even second round tight ends in this group. Being frank, but uh-huh. I, I think you know, you like you said, the Colorado State kid maybe, and then and then after that, it falls off. Rucker, I could see. In the second, but maybe third, probably being more frank, and then everybody else third and fourth and fifth going through the rest of the draft. But it's still going to be a solid, you know, way to fill your roster out type tight ends and some kids that can develop into some some really fun players to watch. Here's an interesting guy, David. Forgot to mention him, Jelani Woods, Virginia, former Oklahoma State transfer. I think he actually started his career as a tight as a quarterback. <coughs> Excuse me, six foot seven, two hundred fifty five pounds. 34 and a half inch arms, 82 inch wingspan, ran 461 at the combine at that size. So, my man's got a little juice to him, brother. He's got a little bit of juice at that size. So, just another oh, name absolutely. to keep an eye on. Yep. Oh, just yeah. Another, another name to keep an eye on. Uh, David, do you want to separate offensive line into tackles, guard centers, or do you just want me to roll through a few of the bigger names? Uh, let's just talk tackles, guard centers real quick. We got, we got a little yeah. time here. Yeah, we got man. a little time. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got some time, so tackles, the top offensive tackles in the class. I think it's a good class. I think that the class falls off a little bit past six or seven. Like If you're straying past six or seven, in my opinion, you're going to start to get just guys that are more developmental than maybe early on starters or starters within the first couple of years with their, with their prospective teams. But Evan Neal. I'll right be interested to see where you put the cutoff on this. I, I'm, I'm kind of interested on that. Okay. All right. Well, here, here let's roll it through. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the guys that I think are have starting caliber traits er, within the first two years of their professional careers. First one's Evan Neal out of Alabama, six foot seven plus, three thirty seven, thirty four inch arms, eighty three inch wingspan. Uh, just, I mean, he's been that guy for Alabama over the last three years. Has started literally at right guard, right tackle, and left tackle this past season for Alabama, and has an incredible frame. Ike McQuanu, who might be the first offensive tackle off the board, depending on who you ask, out of NC State, six foot four, thirty-four inch arms, eighty-four and a fourth inch wingspan, huge wingspan, ten and a quarter inch hands. 
got he has nice feet. I think he I honestly think that he may be better working inside long term, but I know that somebody's going to draft him to play offensive tackle. So he's going to be a starter early on in his career. Best pass blocker in this class, in my opinion, of any offensive tackle would be Charles Cross from Mississippi State. 6'5, 310, 34.5-inch arms, 81-inch wingspan, was a five-star recruit coming to Mississippi State, left just as a redshirt sophomore, but he's an advanced, advanced pass protector. Needs some work in the run game because he played under Mike Leach and the air raid where he just didn't run block a time. Like, let's just yeah. call it what it is. But he has the traits. And he's, and he's well. a little light. He's a little light. He's got a. He's got a. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's got to put. He's got to eat some pizza. Yeah. Well, he'll be we'll fine. Send, he'll be we'll fine. Send, we'll send mama. We'll send mama down there. She'll feed him pasta. He'll he'll grow. He has some improving core strength to him, though. He got a lot stronger this past year, so I think that he has upside in the run game. But definitely, you're drafting him based upon what he can do as a pass protector. And he ran four nine five at the combine as well. So he's a very gifted athlete. I think he had 30 mid 30 inch uh, uh, vertical as well, like 34, 35 inches. So it's a good athlete. Uh, The guy that everybody left the senior ball going like, holy smokes, who's this dude? Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Of course, last year, Dave, we had Spencer Brown on, who was the other offensive tackle at Northern Iowa. And Trevor Penning might get drafted even earlier than Spencer Brown did. There's some people think that he might sneak into the first round, at least a second round type of player. I'm a little hesitant on Trevor Penning as a left tackle. I think he's more of a right tackle type because I think he's a little, he's a little tight, a little stiff, but a little physical, physical, explosive blocker. He reminds me a lot of Zach Streif that used to play with the New Orleans Saints, um, the yep. starting right tackle for a long time. Right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of years. Yeah, man. It's really good right tackle, super physical. Uh, and Penning tested as a really good athlete, but like, I, and I think he is a really good athlete in a linear perspective, but I just don't think he's incredibly quick twitch. And I don't think he's incre- a guy that's incredibly flexible as a pass blocker. So I view him more as a right tackle, but I do view him as a starting right tackle. So where am I at? I'm a four there, right? Tyler Smith is another guy that I like out of Tulsa. He is a little more on that cusp of like developmental, but also starter early on. I would rather you sit him for a year and just kind of let him develop a little further, but the tools are outstanding, David. 6'5", 325. Again, all these guys seem like they have 34-inch arms, man, and he's got 34-inch arms over an 80-foot wingspan, and he is one of the youngest players in this class. was born in 2001, so he's going to be – uh, just 20 years old on draft day, I believe, or he's just going to turn 21 on draft day. So he's uh, he's a really talented kid, may have some of the highest upside at the position, in my opinion. A guy that I love, David, that might be my favorite dude in this class that a lot of people think is a, is a guard. I think he's a tackle, though. I really do. Um, is Mr. Sean Ryan out of UCLA. Got to throw out your UCLA guys again, man. So my guy, Sean Ryan, 6'5", David. 325 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. He's 320 at the combine. Um, shorter arm length, but he still has right right around an 80-inch wingspan, 11 and an eighth-inch hands, David. This kid was a 64-plus foot shot putter in high school. Absolute absurd power in that lower half, man. He can create some silly power. He's flexible. He's got great core strength, good movement skills. I think the upside with Sean Ryan is fantastic. He's one of my top-ranked offensive linemen just in general. I feel like I'm a little bit higher on him than some people. And then he went to the combine, Dave. You want to talk about explosion. 33-and-a-half-inch vertical for a guy that is 320 pounds. So that's six guys. I'm going to keep it at six, not stretch it to seven. Those are six guys that I think have starting caliber traits at offensive tackle early on in their careers. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a couple that you didn't say, and I was I was curious if you were going to say them or not. Okay, Mayor, that's why I was kind of. Well, you know, I, Nick, Nicholas Petty Free out of oh, Free I, Air. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Free Air fan, man. I, I think there's I think there's an absence of power there, and I think he's a little bit of an overstated athlete. It's just my opinion, though. And again, I think he's a guy that has an ability to to grow into. And again, I'm not saying first round pick here. I'm saying he has an ability sure. with with where he's at at six five. I think he ran a five one four forty, and he's like three hundred and fifteen, almost three hundred twenty pounds doing it. Um, he's a guy that is right on that cusp that I think would be very interesting in some of these offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletic offense alignment that I was surprised with his numbers when they came in was actually Abraham Lucas at a, a Washington state. Now this is a kid who's six, seven ran a four, nine, two forty at 332 pounds. Now 332 pounds. You'd go, Ooh, 
He, yeah, that's a big dude, but he's six seven. So it's spread over a very big frame. He almost looks linear. So you can imagine this is a guy who could probably play at 340 pounds and not look or feel heavy. And he came out and ran a 49240. So, you know, I watch Washington State games. I know it's kind of late for you on the East Coast to watch them, but he was a guy that no shit about it. He was a guy that I literally picked out for my agent to go after because I was like watching him. I'm like, this is a guy that could sneak in there, man. Like I was like, I don't know if he's a first round guy or a second one. I said, I think I see him between rounds three and seven. That's where I told my agent when I was watching tape before I could break it in. And then when I, when I saw the numbers come in, I'm like, this guy is probably a solid third round pick right here that could play at the next level. And my surprise some people once he develops, he's just got to, I think, you know, you got to get his, his his pad level down a little bit, being that six seven, you know, tall. But he's got some interesting tools to him a lot. And, and that, I thought that was an interesting guy too. But I got to see more of him, I'm sure, than you did because I watched it out here. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, I kind of, well, I don't kind of, I, I like the kid out of Arizona State. Again, Kelvin uh, Deutsch. 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 Yeah. Uh, you know, he's light in the ass. He's only 300 pounds at six, seven. So he's got to, you know, he's got to eat some pasta, but he's another athletic guy who ran a four, eight, nine 40. So, you know, I like that. He, and with the passing offenses and these edge rushers that are taking wide nine out to wide 10, almost these days, um, you know, you got to have guys that have foot quickness that can have range in their, in their pass sets. So those were two guys that, you know, when I looked at them, they're West coast guys. And I was like, I really like what they, what I saw in them. And I think they have a potential to develop. I love what you said about Neil and Cross, obviously, at the top of the class and tackle mm-hmm. group. You know, and Cross, like you said, I think he can go to a team and start right away. And with a good offensive line coach and a good a nutritionist, he can get better really quick, really fast. Neil, my one concern is obviously that he's so heavy at 350. You know, well, he, he lost a little bit. He was 337 at the combine, so he's lost some weights. Right. But I'm just saying, like, he usually plays a little heavier, and that's always a concern for me. You know, you've, you've worked with me enough to know when they're that big, they usually like being that big. And, and you know, when your adult weight hits, because these are young kids, they're 22, 23 years old. When your adult weight hits after 26 and, you you know, you, your metabolism slows down a little bit, you know, they, they these kind of guys, they balloon up. So I kind of worry about his weight. But other than that, I mean, he's shown he can do it at a very high level. He's blocked some very big talent over his career. He's very versatile. I'm not trying to take away from him. I'm just saying if you're talking first-round pick, that's the one little thing I got concerned about with him. That's fair. That's fair, man. And I will, I will give a shout-out to Abraham Lucas, who – I'm a little lukewarm on still, but I think he's one of the better pass blockers in the class. I think he frames as well as anybody in the class. He's just another guy that I don't think the power profile is great right now. And he worked under Mike Leach for a while. And then Nick Rolovich was kind of the same system. So he doesn't, pass, he doesn't run block at all either. So right. <laughs> a little right. Bit of projection. It, it's a little bit of a projection. That's what I'm saying. If he's in the third round, I think he's a solid yeah. third round pick. You work with this guy and, and, and I think you could have a heck of a player in a year from now. Really can't. Yeah, I, I um, I've actually heard some things, David, that teams may like him in the second rounds potentially. So it, again, it won't surprise me if they do because of his size and his his frame and mm-hmm. his pass block. But again, I, I mean, I as a scout, I gotta say, I got you know, for me, with the way this draft is gonna line out, I think yeah. that tackle class, he's a third round pick. This me. Does um to, and I, I I like the mention of Kellen Deesh. I really do. I actually talked about him a couple weeks ago on the offensive tackle show for the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast as a sleeper in the class because I think that he is a really nice athlete at 6'7", 300 pounds, like you said. I mean, he ran 4.89, and he just had a really nice workout in general. He started out at Texas A&M for the first few years. Then he grad transferred over to Arizona State and had a really nice season for them, one of the highest-graded pass blockers in the country this past year. The only thing that gives me pause with him, David, and I would just love your comment on it, obviously doing what you did for so long, only 32 and a quarter inch uh, inch arms, man. That was like, ugh, that's really short arms. So, yeah. and, and but that the trouble is for me is the fact that like, okay, short arms, obviously you're going to start thinking like move inside, but then he's a guy that's a little lighter, like you said, right? So like, uh, you know, so it gets a little tough, but I do think he has developmental potential. I do think that he can get by with the shorter arms because I think that his foot quickness is fantastic. So that's kind of where he overcompensates for maybe the lack of length. 
And again, if you go to a team that does the outside zone style rushing and does, you know, play action, I think he can survive. Now, I I, yeah. I don't know if it's a left tackle survival, but you know, again, there there's there's a place for this kid to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely there. Again, I I think that his foot quickness overcompensates for the lack of length on the um on the on the perimeter. So moving on to guards, David. This is one of my favorite classes, man. I think it's weird to talk about a little bit, but a lot of really good guards in this class, man, like a crazy amount of depth in this year's class, in my opinion, especially if you project, like if some people project Sean Ryan that I talked about from UCLA in a guard, if you project him at offensive guard and a couple of these other guys I'm going to talk about who have played tackle at some points, then we're talking about a really, really good class. I think it starts with Kenyon green out of Texas A&M for me, man, like six, four, three fifteen. This past year, David, and he has 34 in charms, actually. So, like, it's got a little bit of length to him. 34 and an eighth, actually. 83 and three-eighths inch wingspan. But I think he's a guard. I think he is, just from a play style perspective, 6'4", 325. David, this past year, he started a game at every position outside of center. So, literally started at four different positions for the Texas A&M offensive line. I think his best work came at left guard, though, especially in 2020 when he was a Every game starter at left guard, absolutely dominant player, man. Like, I think he's a top 10 to 15 player in this class. Will he go top 10 or 15? Maybe not, just because guards tend to get pushed back a little bit. But I, I do think that he's that quality of player in this year's class. The best player, potentially. Well, you know, hold on. Right? On, that, on yep. that point, on that point. Yep. yep. On that point. Yep. Look who's drafting. Look who's drafting. If you if, And we don't have quarterbacks. We don't have quarterbacks at the top of the draft, right? So mm-hmm. look who's drafting. You got Jacksonville one, Detroit two, Houston three, Jets four, Giants five, Carolina six, Giants again at seven, Atlanta at eight, and Denver at I'm sorry, Seattle at nine and Seattle at ten. What are mm-hmm. things that people need up there? All those teams, almost every one of those teams need offensive line help. Sure. So the guard position you could see because this year's draft class. You know, and I know we got to speed up the process because we're just getting through offense here. You're fine. But, yeah. But uh, but the draft class for offensive line is that is worthy enough of some of these conversations. So that guard position might get you know valued in the in these top ten to fifteen. Because even outside that, we got Washington, Minnesota, Houston again there at thirteen, Baltimore at fourteen, and then you got Philly coming in at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, right after them, you got Philly again at 16. So in the top 20, you have a plenty of teams. <clears throat> excuse me. You have plenty of teams in this top uh, 20 that need offensive line help. So you might see a record set in the first round for offensive line this year because of the depth that it has and the lack of quarterback presence. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, just for a little bit of context, I actually have a mock draft that's coming out tomorrow on risingdraft.com, Dave. And I gave Kenyon Green actually number 17 to the Los Angeles Chargers because they need help both at right tackle and inside a guard. So pick your poison, man. He can play a couple different spots potentially. I still think he's better inside a guard, but I think he can play offensive tackle in a pinch. Zion Johnson for Boston College is another fun guy. And we might only get through the offensive guys this week. We might we might pick up on defense because we're already 52 minutes in, David, because you got to We're talking. excited. We're like excited about the offense. I know, man. I know. Zion Johnson was one of the most impressive players at the Senior Bowl. A shade under six foot three, 310 pounds. Former Davidson transfer ended up obviously at Boston College. 34 inch arms. Again, David, like all these do have 34 inch arms, man. Even these interior players, it's nuts. Um, some guys also prefer him at center. So I, he never played center in college, but he was a full time guard. I think he's going to be a really good guard. Cole Strange from the University of Chattanooga is another guy, Tennessee Chattanooga, excuse me, that has played at all. Every start in his college career was at guard, but then he was at center during the senior bowl. And he had a really nice senior bowl week. He kind of reminds me a little bit, David, of our boy from last year, Quinn Miners, right? Who had never played center. Belly boy. Belly boy, him. man. He just texted me the other day, by the way. And he I came, he guy. went, yeah, man, he's awesome. And he went to the senior bowl, had never played center before. And he ended up having a great week at center. So I, I think of Cole strange a little bit. Similarly, maybe one of my favorite guards in this draft, David, that had never actually played guard in college, man. Here's our tackle convert. Darian Kennard from Kentucky. David, you ready for this one? 6'5", 320, 
although he played at 340-plus at Kentucky, so don't let that weight fool you. He uh, lost a little bit of weight to test at the Combine. 11 and a quarter inch hands, 35-inch arms, David, 35-inch arms, 83 and a quarter. I have a player comp, my friend. I think a player that you probably may have been around at one point, okay? Maybe not. I don't know if it overlapped. He reminds me a lot of Colecchio Semele that played Baltimore, then spent some time obviously with the with the Oakland Raiders there at the end of his career, was an Iowa State offensive tackle, but his transition was just much better inside at guard at the next level, and he became a Pro Bowl-level guard for the Baltimore Ravens and Oakland Raiders. So, Colecchio Semele comp Dude, for Hold on, hold on my boy on TikTok. This is my boy on TikTok, Angel49 oh, Blessing. Atlanta Falcons need a whole new team. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong, sir. I well, love him. Uh, tell, tell Angel, if you can hear me, my friend, if you can hear me there on TikTok, all I have to say is they were a very easy team to mock draft for because there's a lot of different players that would fit and you can't really argue against any of them. So, Yeah, exactly. David, I, I, I don't know if you ever like, – like I'm just looking at this man, and again, I, I mentioned this a couple of times. A lot of these guards have crazy arm length, man. Like 34, 34. I just mentioned a 35er. J- J- Jamari Sawyer from Georgia, who's played some at tackle as well as 33 and 5 eighth inch arms. Uh, Wayne Brito mentioned Sawyer because I like him. You know, he's a 320 pound guy, 6'4. Yeah. Not the slightest of foot. You know, he's more of a hog mala, as we would call him, right? A hog mala. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ran, I think, a 5'4, 40, whatever. Yeah. But he comes off the ball, played at a high level. He's a powerful run blocker. He's going to move people on that third and one at the goal line situations. You're going to run behind this guy. He might be a really good right guard fit for some team to to solidify that position for him. You know, I like him. I like him a lot. Um, you know, a guy that a guy another guy that I that I was looking at this draft period was Ed Ingram at LSU. Yeah, you know, Ed Ingram. He's you know six three. About three twenty, ran a five oh two forty. He's he's got he's got thirty three and five inch inch arms too. So he's got a little bit of length to him too. Right, and that to me that's a left guard type situation there. Uh, he'd be perfect sit for a lot of these West Coast style offenses. Uh, you know, and another guy that um, that we didn't mention yet that I like is a is a kid out of Oklahoma, Marquez Hayes. Marquez right? Hayes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Again, Hogmala. Big kid, 6'5", 220, or 325, moving mm. people off the line and not going to be run athletic type guy, but he's he's a good – and the Tennessee, Cade Mays. Cade he's Mays. also – sorry sorry to cut you off real quick. Marquise Hayes, another guy, 34 and 7 eighth inch arms, man. Like these just – I've never seen anything like this, man. These All these guards have crazy arm length. That's what I'm saying. And then Cade Hayes is 6'6", 320, ran a 5'2", 440. Um, but he's a, he's a move guy. He can pull. He can trap. Uh, I've heard really good things about his character in the locker room. So, you know, I think, like you said, the interior offensive line, we haven't even gotten to centers yet, but mm-hmm. the interior <laughs> offensive line, the depth at tackle, you're going to see, I think, a record number of offensive linemen go in the top two rounds this year. A, it's something every team needs, and B, this class has them. They have yeah. them. Yep. Yeah, you just mentioned Cade Mays, another guy, 34 and an eighth-inch arms, man. Like, I just feel like all these dudes have 33 or 34-plus-inch arms. It's crazy. One of the guys, too, that I just wanted to mention real quick was a little bit of shorter arms, but he's a true guard anyway. Lasita Smith from Virginia Tech's a guy that I've been a big fan of. We're going to talk about centers. Before we do, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No. What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today probably access the companies maverick sports consulting can connect those dots for you we believe in the power of athletes making a living off of their own likeness and going to college if it's simply that you don't have access to companies don't let that keep you from being successful contact us at maverick sports consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career and athletes earning potential is limited why wait until tomorrow to start earning today it doesn't matter what sport you play we can help our clients achieve their goals just contact us at maverick sports consulting TikTok. the clock is ticking all right david saving the worst for last actually the center position in the 2022 nfl draft my god man i'm gonna roll through a few names but i will tell you this I was excited about this class in the summer. And then Jared Patterson from Notre Dame went back to school. Ricky Stromberg Jr. from Arkansas both went back to school as well. So I'm like, that depleted near the top of the class. 
One guy, though, that is a first-round caliber player and one of the better wide zone centers that I've ever evaluated is Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Started his Iowa career as a defensive lineman, has now shifted over to center and has been the best center in college football over the last two years. He's a smaller-framed guy, six foot two plus, 296 pounds, but a gifted athlete, David. Really good mover. Compares favorably, in my opinion, to Jason Kelsey. It, he is a scheme-specific player. Like He's going to need to fall into a wide-zone system because there's, I mean, it, a power, a gap-power team is just not going to value him that high. But if he falls into the right situation, he could be one of the better centers in the NFL, but it is going to be scheme-dependent a little bit about Tyler Linderbaum. He is easily the best player in this, in this class at center. Like, easily. After that, Falls off the table, man. Awful. Awful class. Um, I do like Nick Ford from Utah a little bit. He's out there west near you, some, sort of. Um, he has played every single position on the offensive line, David. Literally started at left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard, and at center. I think he projects favorably at center, six foot plus, 320 pounds. I like him a bunch as a developmental center. Then you got guys like Cameron Jurgens out of Nebraska, who's another movement-based guy. Just don't see any power profile with him, man. He's a dirty blocker. Like, I, I, there's some stuff to like, but like, just can't see it. Alec Lindstrom, the younger brother of Chris, Chris Lindstrom, former first round pick by the Atlanta Falcons, center coming out of Boston College. Kind of the same story, man. Like, he can move pretty well, but he's a little bit undersized and he's a little bit of a lacking of power. So, I'm not a huge fan there. The one guy, the sli- actually, sorry, let me mention two guys and I'll mention a sleeper. Donovan West, who I don't know if you've gotten to know out there, David, Arizona State. He's another kid that I think has really good foot quickness, and I think he's got good hands for the position. Another guy, though, a little scheme dependent. He has to hit a wide zone system, and he has to. But if he does, I think he has some starter upside on the on the interior. And then the last guy, before I hit you with a little bit of a sleeper in this class, is Dylan Parham from Memphis. For my money, he's probably going to be the second center off the board. I think that this is a guy somewhere in the second round that could get drafted. Another guy, really good athlete for the position. My sleeper, David. Tackle, that also I played center, which is a weird combination. Left tackle, center, during his Wake Forest career. Zach Tom, he's interesting, man. He's really interesting. Six foot four, 304 pounds, a little light, 33 and a quarter inch arms, over an 80 foot inch wingspan, but I really like his movement skills. He had the best tape this year, in my opinion, playing against Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end out of Florida State, who's a projected first-round pick, and he did it at left tackle, playing as an undersized player. I think he has starter traits on the interior. I would be not shocked if he sneaks into the latter part of day two, maybe somewhere in the third round, and I think he's got starter upside. But David, overall, man, it's just not a great class, man. Not a great I, class. Like I said, I, I agree with you again. Um, this is rare that I agree with you so much tonight, but I do agree with you that this is going to be a scheme fit type offensive line systems for these centers. Whereas we were raving about the depth at tackle and at and at and at guard. Some of those guards are going to get pushed into play center because it's just not that deep here. But there are a few players that I think you missed on as far as like mentioning, but again. It's going to be scheme fit, right? People have to find the scheme to fit it. I think Chris Owens out of Alabama, you know, 6'3", 205-pound uh, or 305-pound uh, center who played at a high level, done a lot of good things at a big-time big, big time school, is going to be a guy that you'll see come off the board in round three, and he'll, he'll contribute and play right away. I like a kid out of Michigan State, uh, Matt Allen. You know, Matt, to me, when I would watch Walker and watch that offensive line play, I thought he did some really good things, getting them lined up, doing good calls on the play. And he's one of the bigger centers at 315 and 6'3". He ran a 5'2", 40. So, again, I think he's got skills. He gets with the right team. He could go a long way going going forward with uh, with his career. And then, um, and then the last one I would mention, I think, here would be this. He's, he's got a great name. Luke Wattenberg. Wattenberg. Yeah. yeah. Now, Luke Wattenberg, 6'5". Again, he's, bare, he's just under 300, so he's got to gain a little weight. He ran a 5'240". But Luke Wattenberg, to me, has good strength, good movement, good core strength, too. And, you know, his capabilities and his punch are there. So a West Coast guy out of Washington who, again, I get to watch a lot of out here. I kind of liked watching him play ball this year, too. He's no Brett Hedgy, right? Hedgy? No, he's no Hedgy. 
But Hagee's a giant now, baby. Yeah, yeah. It all it all worked out. It all went full circle. So that's a little bit of the overview of the offensive class. Want to thank everybody again for taking a peek at the show tonight. Mav Sports Take Episode 81. Make sure you like, share, subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on one of the many amazing podcast platforms. We'll be covering the defensive class next year. Uh, next year, next <laughs> week. Well, next week we'll be talking defensive prospects. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun here again, especially winding down only a few weeks from the NFL draft. Going to let David Turner leave us with a final thought. I know it's uh, crazy times, man, trying to fit in these last few evaluations, getting everything going. I'm in the recruiting world now too, which is extra hectic, even more hectic than the NFL draft circuit. So David, last word of the night, man, what do you, what's on your mind? Well, I want and, and again, I'm not trying to jump on something here, but I, I think it's important for me to say something because of what happened here. I'm going to talk about the slap that's been heard around the world, you know, in the recent days. Um, when you, when you, physically assault somebody over words you have to think about yourself and your personality as ryan knows there's a few things that i live my life by which my three core values are important to me which is passion intelligence and integrity you know if my wife got verbally assaulted everybody who knows me knows that person who verbally assaulted my wife would get assaulted back verbally you know but they would give an opportunity i would give them an opportunity to apologize to my wife so if will smith would have walked up on stage and chested out Chris Brown and said, listen, apologize to her right now. That's some bull pocky right there. You shouldn't have said that. That would have been far enough. And I'm sure Chris, you know, Chris Rock would have said, okay, I'm sorry. You know, my bad. That was out of line. But why not wait for a commercial break? Why did you have to make the center of attention that moment and ruin the Oscars, a show in which now all no one's talked about the winners or the losers from the night. No one talked about the great acting job that you did in King Richard and won the re- award for that. You, everybody just talked about this slap. That was a selfish moment. And anybody who knows me, who I train young men and women how to be professional, that was not a professional move. You know, the joke was tasteless and discolorful. Yes. But for 10 years, the hosts have come out and roasted people in the audience. You can watch 10 years of Oscars and people get roasted in the front row. That one should not have said that that should not have left Chris Rock's mouth because of the medical condition Jada is fighting and living with. Okay. Not defending that at all but I will not defend the slap that was heard around the world either because the reality is you want to pop up out of your seat and march up on stage after you laughed at the joke. Like you laughed at the joke and then you looked at your wife and she didn't laugh and that's what motivated you to pop up. Great. Good for you. You know what I mean? I personally would have waited for a freaking commercial break and went and found him and said, listen, you need to go over and apologize. Jada took that the wrong way. And that's bullshit. Either you do it now or I'll meet you in the parking lot after the show. But not giving a man to respond with an apology and just marching up on stage and slapping him like that to me was not appropriate and was not classy and was not professional. And you're Will Smith, man. You're one of the biggest names in, in, in show business right now. You could walk up on stage, chest him up, lean into his ear and be like, you need to publicly apologize to my wife for what you just said because that was offensive and then walk off the stage and go back to your seat. And he would have done it. And the rest of the night would have just been about that moment and move on. And the winners of all the categories would have got the press that they deserve for all the hard work, making it his moment to me was a very selfish act. And that that's where I had a problem with it. Okay. And if anybody else wants to talk to me about it, find me at Mav underscore sports on social media dial me up, whatever you want. We can talk about it. But as a man who is very protective over his family and a very protective man, as I am, you got to know the moment you got to know the moment you're in, you got to stay focused where you're at. And that's not saying don't defend your wife, but he did not physically assault his wife. He verbally said a bad joke. When someone says a bad joke, a tasteless joke, or distasteful joke, give them an opportunity to say, hey, that was wrong, what you just said, apologize. Give them a chance to make up and make amends for what they say. Don't just pop up and slap someone. I stayed off social media about it. I didn't say nothing about it, but here tonight, 
because of what we do at Maverick Sports Consulting, how we train people to be professional, how we work with everybody, I wanted to take a moment here at the end of the show and put my two cents in on it because, again, you're Will Smith. You're one of the big names. You should be, you're leading our young men on how to be, how to work with each other, how to handle conflict res- resolutions like this. And now, any family that was watching the Oscars, that's what the young men and women saw that you thought it was okay to interrupt an award show mm-hmm. to walk up on stage and slap a man for something he said. Yep. Yeah. It was a uh, very interesting and, like you said, tasteless moments um, at the Oscars. David always spitting the truth, man. And uh, hey, if you want to argue with him, go at Mav underscore sports. Don't go at, Ri- at Rise and Draft. Right? <laughs> Follow us. Give us a like. Give us subscri- a subscription. A rating would be very much appreciated. We'll see you all next week. Same time, same place. Talking some defensive prospects for the 2022 NFL Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.